Hey guys, it's Alfredo. And this is Brian. And this is Film Purgatory. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week. This week is a mind-blowing week. Mind-blowing week. <laughs> Those movies where you go... That was, uh, that was my mind. I'm doing the mind-blowing uh, visual. I see that. But you're doing the, the, the sound the effects. The voice, the sound so effects. We gotta, we gotta combine it for the people. Together, we make some sort of a cohesive idea. Nice. Like these movies do. There we go. Good uh, full circle. <laughs> but uh, mind-blowing week, guys. We got uh, two movies, two movies lined up, a double header. We're talking about Fight Club and The Usual Suspects. I went first last week, so you go first this time. Yeah, you went first? I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying things. You went, yeah, I think you did because you were doing last week. What was last week? The Illusionist and The Prestige. Yeah, you did go first. Yeah, because we talked about, I think, yeah, I remember we talked about The Illusionist yeah. first. The Usual Suspects was directed by Brian Singer. Familiar name he is. Yeah. You know who that is. He, uh, he did the X-Men movies, right? He did right? the X-Men movies, yeah. Um, so it's, it was pretty cool seeing his name. Yeah. On this film, because I hadn't known until I started doing the, the research for this film. I think he did Bohemian Rhapsody too. I think he was a part of that. Yeah. yeah. He's a I don't know. It's one of those names that I feel like isn't huge. Mm. You know, you know, most people wouldn't recognize. But when you start going down the list, right? It's like, oh, this guy has done a lot, a lot of good work. Yeah. Movie was from 1995, if I remember correctly. Uh, this movie is a mystery thriller. Would you say? I would agree. Yeah. With us, Stephen Baldwin, Kevin Spacey, Benicio del Toro, Benicio Giancarlo Esposito. That is Gus from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Uh, he's also a part of the Star Wars franchise, if I remember correctly. Well, the Usual Suspects follows. Right, it begins with a with a massacre, mm. right, from what I remember. And so it's a it's a mystery. So the story unfolds slowly. We're not really sure what it's about, right? Like at first. Chaz Paul Materians is in this one. Who's that? That is uh, that's the detective Kujan. That's the guy who's interrogating Kevin Spacey's character. Oh. That's the mobster guy who plays the same mobster guy in right. every movie. But he's a, a detective. Yeah. He's a detective. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he spent he spent the majority of the movie or the whole movie with like, almost like with interrogating him. Yeah. Or. I mean, Technically, it wasn't much. It was more of like a, a questioning, a like questioning, a question, and, and and almost like working together. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because he he wasn't in cuffs. Uh, well, the dude's disabled to start off. Kevin Spacey's character is has a, a very strong limp. He has like a a, a, a curve, not a curve. I don't know the proper name for it, but his ankle doesn't like hold up right. So mm. he kind of drags it. Right. If that makes sense, I'm trying to give you guys a visual. If you know, obviously, if you haven't seen it, but you know, so very disabled uh, physically, not mentally. And walk slowly because of it. So he's not in. He's not in handcuffs. He's not. He's. But he is technically being detained. Right. Well, I mean, he was the uh, the only survivor in that massacre. Yeah. Right. Which is the how the massacre. movie starts. Exactly. And uh, he was brought in, obviously questioned, but he was granted immunity for some reason. I never really know why. I remember the chief was saying that, oh, this guy has friends from high places. He got full immunity. But the whole time he has a very like. Not careless, but carefree, very relaxed type of demeanor. Right. I don't know if it's the the lifelong disability that he knows things will be all right. You know, right. I get the pity. I don't know. But he, you know, is one of those characters that you're just like, all right, he's just a part of the story. Mm. It's a part of the narration because mm-hmm. they're kind of explaining what's what's going on and 
the, the the events that led to this to this massacre. Right. And in this massacre, you see a, a like a shadowy a shadowy character. We see kind an of unknown, like an unknown, right? Because they don't show right. his face, but it's clearly a, a character of interest, a person of interest, because he has an, his name is Kaiser Soze. Yeah, the the mythic ruthless crime lord. Correct. Kaiser Soze. Right. That's yeah. his name. That's that's his rep- his reputation uh, precedes him, kind right. of thing, and right. very. Important, right? No one has seen him. No, no one knows who he is. Correct. Crazy. Right. So very powerful. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 kind of interesting <clears throat> to see how did he get there and why did he do this. So he's the re- he's the reason for this massacre. He's the one pulling the trigger, and everybody is clearly super scared of him when they see him. Right. It's the reactions that we get. So it sets a tone from the very from the very beginning of the movie. So all of this is being recounted by Kevin Spacey's character, which is Kent. Correct. That's uh, it. I think verbal, that's it. verbal. They, they call him verbal. So it's it's all his perspective and what he saw during that night. Yeah, he's he's a con man. Yeah. So that's why, like you said, he has for some reason he has immunity and but he right. didn't get a weapons charge. But right. you know, given that he's a con man, he has a certain charisma mm. to his personality. Right. Which you can probably guess why he's care more carefree and kind mm-hmm. of relaxed and almost like I know I'm gonna get out of this situation. Right. So. Like being disabled, he's not exactly a, a physical threat. Mm-hmm. You know, this is their their first instinct as a as, a, as an interrogator. Right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Detective Kujan, who was played by uh, Chaz Chaz uh, Palmin Terry Chaz, um, he really wants to pin this whole thing on Dean Keaton, who he has had some run-ins with in the past. The Dean was the next cop was corrupt and he tried to pin this whole thing he tried to paint this crazy picture using Kent's uh, elaborated story or whatever he, he recounted to try to lead everything to the conclusion that Dean Keaton was in fact Kaiser Soze and he orchestrated this whole thing getting all these people together getting these usual suspects the guys who would usually be suspected in certain crimes or robberies and stuff like that to play into his game which led up to that giant massacre that was in the beginning and it seemed to have worked he, he convinced everybody well i mean he, he really convinced kent because kent was so ready to defend dean and he was a good person he was my friend but what we didn't know or what i guess they didn't know was that there was another survivor who did positively identify kaiser soze who was Kaiser Soze, Brian? So in the, the final scenes of the movie, we're kind of skipping through, but the movie's worth watching. We're going to spoiler alert. We're, we're only giving spoilers simply because these movies are too old to, to be withholding the ending, you know. But the final scenes of this movie is they let Kent go. And so he's walking with his limp toward the towards his car or vehicle, whatever, his limo. And the detective is in his room, is in, in his office where... He was interrogating Kent, and little by little, he starts seeing like little clues. Mm. Kind of, he's kind of piecing it together. He sees the name of one thing that Kent mentioned. Then he sees the the name of another. Then he sees the name of a place, and then he sees the the, the what's written on his coffee mug. And he realizes that everything this con man just told him were little bits and pieces put together on items that were around his office. So, like, he was conning his way, right? Bullshitting his way throughout this whole story. 
um, and the, then he's realizing like, oh shit like where's this guy go get him or don't let him get away don't let him get away like he has a limp you know he can't be far hmm. and then they show Kevin Spacey's character Kent kind of limping limping and then little by little that limp goes away and then he just starts walking normal and he just gets in his car and leaves. <laughs> so like it's kind of the big reveal that like, he was Kaiser Soze the whole time it was a really good reveal I thought the way they told the story was magnificent um, this is one of those movies well paced really well paced yeah I mean like this movie was, was fantastic I remember the reveal was was so great you don't really expect it but I think what gets to me is the line that Kevin Spacey delivers in this one you know the great the uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was uh, convincing the world that he didn't exist. You know, that one and, and poof, he was gone. Those were like timeless quotes from, from this movie that was Correct. just so great. Said by Kevin Spacey. Yeah, said by Kevin Spacey. And, and man, it worked so great with the movie and with the reveal. It was just so fantastic. It tied in together perfectly. Right. And oh, and, and for the, I think we, well, we missed this detail was that the reason it was for the audience and for the detective in the movie it's hard to you know to guess like oh you know for that's Kaiser Soze it's like they were their con men and his, him and his friends the reason they were going and they were on this boat right because the massacre occurred on like this big boat mm-hmm. they had a job they were going to steal something from this boat from Kaiser Soze mm-hmm. so it's not like the guy just showed up out of nowhere so the reason you know everybody died from Kaiser Soze he's the survivor so it's hard to believe it's not something you guess on the first try so that's what made it difficult and then on top of that as you said that quote that he said and then on top of that he's disabled so they they hit it pretty well it's one of those reveals where you go oh you know like the perfect mind-blowing right. uh, ending i would say to a movie ron tomatoes gave it 88 percent imdb 8.5 out of 10 film purgatory score what do you give it um i'm gonna have to agree with imdb wow i think 8.5 is a very accurate rating for that I'm gonna. I feel like I haven't Simon Cowled anybody in a long time. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be petty. 8.4. 8.3. Oh, so you were petty. gonna say 8.4. I'm gonna be petty That's to your pettiness. That's how I know you were gonna say 8.4. <laughs> no, 8.35. I'll give you that much. Great movie. It was very enjoyable, man. I, just, I really like this one. I own this one. Uh, I had bought it. So. You bought it. I bought this one. A while back great movie though you can actually watch this one fubo tv has it philo if you have a subscription with them for some reason i think amazon as well yeah but like amazon says that it has it uh, with a, a subscription and then you go on amazon and like they don't have it they give you the option to rent or buy well usually if that's Why the case that? well it'll say like premium subscription right no but like it says it's a, yeah okay yeah yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they should have it. They, they should, should have it. No, they, it says subscription, so most true, likely true. it's gonna it's gonna make you buy it. Just just tell me, you know. Don't blue ball me on this one. I agree. Uh, but if not, you always have Google, YouTube, Voodoo, always a good option. But yeah, watch it, guys. It's a good one. We kind of ruined it. I mean, if you haven't watched it at this point, well, we gave a spoiler alert. Like, if, you know spoiler. what I'm saying? I mean, don't be mad at us. Like, go ahead and watch good movies once in a while. Don't rewatch The Office. For the love of all that is holy, please. You could. Watch something new. You could watch it. You could watch but it. don't rewatch it. <laughs> Again, I saw the super fan episode. For the sixth episode. For the sixth time. Oh, The Office. <laughs> Moving on to Fight Club, 1999. That's crazy. This movie's from 1999. Yeah, older. Just a few years after Usual Suspects. Yeah, by four. Four years. Crazy. Drama thriller in this one. No crime. 
Directed by David Fincher. We know David. We talked about him not too long ago with Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. He's done Seven and Zodiac. Again, Robert Downey Jr. Might be talking about him a little bit later on. Who knows? Maybe. Casting this one's pretty strong. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bohan Carter. <laughs> I'm gonna say I was looking for approval yeah, no. <laughs> You looked over here like oh, I wasn't sure if it was good no. I think it's bottom I think it's bottom You could you could have just nodded Would have been good enough Thumbs up I'll give like you a, a thumbs up next time Jared Leto's in this one too <laughs> That was fun <laughs> Edward Norton's character is the main protagonist He suffers from insomnia on this one And to combat this He, he joins support groups For certain illnesses or disabilities or adversities that people are going to and he he notices that after joining these groups and finally letting go and crying uh, he's able to sleep go figure that was nice it was cool until he finds marla in one of these groups she's doing the exact same thing and all of a sudden he can't do that those i guess being an imposter really he's being a tourist in in these support groups so he's able to sleep but he doesn't suffer from anything. He just suffers from insomnia. Okay. So uh, Marla's doing the same thing. He has a problem with it. The movie takes a turn when Edward Norton's apartment blows up for some reason. And he is forced to call someone that he met on an airplane. Um, Edward Norton's character, he travels a lot. He deals with some insurance company with uh, a major car company. And he deals with... I don't know, the recalls of, of some cars. Okay. I'm not really sure. So because of that, he's traveling a lot. He goes on different airplanes, different hotels, and in one, he meets Tyler Durden, which is Brad Pitt's character. So not knowing who to call after his apartment blows up, he decides to call Tyler, and he asks him to stay with him. Not too long after they meet up, they get into a fight out of a request from Tyler Durden. Like He asks him to, to fight him kind of a way to just let go and, and try to prove to themselves that they're alive they end up fighting they attract other people um if i'm if i'm correct this was like in a parking lot outside of a restaurant or a diner yeah something like that park. but it was public yeah and they attract other people and not too long after fight club starts and we'll fight, talk about that fight club yeah i mean that's the first and second rule <laughs> but fight club just uh it was just a way for normal guys or normal people to just let go and cut loose. You know, all of a sudden it morphs into some sort of different club where they are antagonizing normal society and, and trying to make a difference and blowing stuff up and committing crimes. You know, all this is being directed by Tyler and then all of a sudden he's gone. Edward Norton's character has no idea where he is and uh, I like to put up a spoiler here. Spoiler alert. So when he's trying to find Tyler, as he's doing so, retracing his steps, he comes to the conclusion that he himself is Tyler Durden. Brad Pitt's character never existed. Edward Norton's character has always been Tyler Durden. He came up with Brad Pitt to try to be everything that he's not. He was smarter, better looking, Tougher. Uh, tougher, more confident. He right. was the character. Everything, everything. He was everything that Edward Norton was not. That reveal was just mind-blowing to me at the time. What I like about movies like this, The Sixth Sense, you know, where it's like, oh, shit, you know, the person who you thought was there. Or even um, um, good, good, 
Good Night Mommy, the the one the Austrian movie that we had talked about a few episodes back. That reveal at the end where oh the person who supposedly was there is was never actually there. That reveal when it's done well mm. is like a magnificent treat. It's like ah oh, thank you so much you, know, you 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 made this experience that much better because now you retrace your steps as a as a viewer as an audience member and you start going back to those scenes where where they're talking they're in there and you're realizing how well it was it was portrayed they never directly let's say talked with uh, a stranger or if they did it was it was obviously just the the main character themselves you know something like that it was always where there was never direct contact but you never caught it right you never uh, caught on to it I should say the thing that gets me is the details in this movie the details are really well executed and a lot of that has to do with the acting and the directing on this one absolutely this is actually a book uh, with the same name. It was by. It was written by Chuck Paluniak. If, if okay, so if you saw the spelling on this one, you would know that this was a pretty good job. <laughs> so let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, but that's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> so Chuck Paluniak, um, he actually got the idea from this book with a first-hand experience. He had gone into a fight. Uh, I think it was over some stereo that was too loud. And it was over a girl. Yeah, we could say that. But when he got to the office, he uh, he noticed that no one really asked any questions. He looked all bruised up and, and, and beat. He was obviously in a fight, but no one really cared enough to actually ask if he was okay or anything like that. So that social distancing that, that people had... Um, to try to avoid any type of contact with him, he noticed that's how society was actually based, and that's what you know, he conveyed in his book. So a lot of that was portrayed very well, so much so that David actually said that the movie did an even better job at portraying that than the book ever did, and that's that's something that you don't really see nowadays. You know, you really see that the book is so much better than the movie, something like that. Right, so right, right. you know, the the fact that this movie was better than that it was. I mean, Great. realistically, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call people out. I don't care what y'all say. Mm-hmm. People are always going to say that. Mm-hmm. I, when do you hear people saying, oh, no, I enjoyed the movie more than the book? When somebody says that the book is better than the movie, it's because they're so biased in mm-hmm. the sense like the fantasy world that was created for me that, by this writer, this mm-hmm. author, in my head, visually is perfect. Mm-hmm. So if this movie does not exactly copy what was in my head as I read this, what are you going to say? Oh, no, the book is better. No shit. That was your experience. That's the difference between books and movies is that everybody's experience is different with a book. Right. Because what's going on in your head is is unique to you versus a movie. Everybody's watching the same thing. Right. Same words, you know, same uh, pacing, all that stuff. It's it's a completely different, completely different medium uh, to experience this. Although with a movie like, sorry, with a book like Fight Club, it's not the same. There isn't a fantasy world to be built. Rather, this story is wrapped around a concept, as you said. Mm-hmm. They convey it so well in the movie. He was like, bro, like y'all did a great job. You know what I'm saying? Because right. they didn't care about world building or the characters had to look and be a certain way. Nah, it's, it was about the concept. It was what you said. It's what he experienced. Mm-hmm. He tried to put it into words, into writing. The movie did that and just made it even better. Right. And I'm sure he really appreciated that. I think I, I didn't read the book, but I'm gonna say uh, you know, movie's better. So <laughs> we're we're biased. Maybe we might be biased. Again, the acting was was 
was something that really carried in this movie a lot. They, they conveyed it pretty good. You know, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt actually took up boxing lessons, and they learned how to make soap. Oh, I think I heard. I, heard, I think I heard that somewhere. It's weird. Yeah. How do you make soap? You know, bro, it's crazy that you we're having this conversation right now because I promise you, just like a week ago, somebody was telling me they're like, oh, they're like, oh, in Cuba we got the pig's fat, and then we <laughs> mixed it with this acid, and then you have to do this, this, and this, and heat it, and whatever. And I was like, yo, what? Glycerin. Yeah. That's that's all I know. They, and he said he said when it hardens, that's the soap. Jeez. And I was like, but. But what about the smell? I mean, you know, here we got this, like, scented, you know, the, the soap smell nice. You know, when you put an Irish spring, that's, like, the cheapest one I could think of. I'm sorry, fellas. I know Old Spice is the one, but mm. whatever. Whatever the fuck, you know, you use. It smells good. You want something that smells good. So, I don't know. I, it was just a funny conversation. Now that you bring it up, it's like, you know, I've never wanted to make soap more mm-hmm. than I do right now. Mm. Let's go grab a pig. Let's do it. Fuck. Let's, Let's go. Do it. You got a pig? Oh, we got one right here. No, I'm gonna... <laughs> Producer Skippy ain't like that comment. This movie ultimately was very raw. It's very gruesome. It's yeah, very real. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they had a lot of problems with uh, the production company. There were a lot of changes that, you know, just with the lines and, and some of the things that were said. But it's very raunchy. It's very out there. So I really appreciated this one. I, I told you this before. In its own way, this is kind of like a masterpiece in what, what it's trying to say and the message it's trying to convey. So I think this movie is very, very well made. No titty, though. No, no movie. No? There was a scene... I could have sworn there was one. ...with Marla, uh, played by... Bonham Carter. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but that, that was her body double. She she confirmed that's a, the body double. But there was... There was, but like, CGI titty. That's not real titty. I'm not gonna... It was a very hazy scene. And like, I'm not, I'm not counting that, though. Ultimately, I think it was it was a really good movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this one a 79%. IMDb gave it an 8.8. Film Purgatory score. You have to go first this time. Damn. I'm going to give it an 8.8. Only 8.8? I thought you were going to go like 9. I would have said 9. I I, I, like, I would have said 9, but like it, I, something about the no booby. No real booby. But let's say it did have it. Oh, yeah. Easily nine. You crazy? Okay. So yeah. it, so only 0.2 was taken off so because of the booby? That's, that's pretty generous. Okay. I feel no, like I know. That's why I'm asking. I was like, okay. Right. Only 0.2 ain't so bad. Mm. All right. So now you know directors. We need we need nudity. Just something, you know? Right. Okay, but like, what if what if they involve nudity, but they're like, oh, equality. Like, you get booby, but you get a, a ding-a-ling. There was a ding-a-ling in the movie. Oh, so you got a ding-a-ling, there but no booby. Yeah. So is that why you're a little You upset? know what? That's a good point. There was a dingling. Nine. Let me give it a nine. He liked the dingling. That's good. Good. <laughs> equality. Equality for everyone. Was it shaved or was it? Was it, it was. It was pretty hairy. It was oh, pretty hairy. Nah, never mind. Yeah. See, like I'm my cup of tea. But not hey, a fan of hair. hey, nudity for everybody. Movies for everybody. Whether it be hot dogs or clams, I'm I'm not a fan of of take of it. The just hair. take it. Just I, free I, nudity. Call me. A, Watch this movie. Call me a a landscaper. I like it. Nice and. I okay. I, I would have. Actually, I would have appreciated if it, if it was a little net landscape. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't my cup of tea, but whatever. Nudity included. Nine out of nine 10. out of ten. Yeah, I can I can agree. Fuck. I can agree. Damn. I should have stayed with eight point eight. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, strong movie, guys. If you haven't watched this already, I mean, fuck. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, YouTube has it. Voodoo has it. Google has it. Come to my house. I have it. 
I bought it. I had bought it. Bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blowing. Mind blowing movies, guys. Definitely watch it. We recommend it. I'm huge on endings. I guess just a final wrap up. My final thoughts is I'm huge on endings. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody who knows me knows that. Uh, that's like my bias, and I'm open about it. It's like mm. a good ending can can not just hook you, but like you know, it stays with you. It lingers for a very long time. For Massive me, at least. Yeah. So, the way the Usual Suspects ended, and then the way Fight Club ended. It made it. It makes everything more worth it. It gives everything more value. I don't know. To me, it's just how I see, how I perceive at least these two movies specifically. That's right. how I perceive them. That's my experience, and that's why I give them such high scores. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's the concepts that they are. Uh, Fight Club being a little more complex, a little maybe a lot more right. than than the usual suspects. But the storytelling, right? The visuals, and then the ending kind of just it wraps it all together for both movies. And right. these are you know to be anything above an eight. I've said before is great. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 8.5 and 9. That's, those are high scores. Pretty good movie. Even for our standards. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we tend to not go above like 7.5. Right. You know, we, it's tough. Mm. So I think it says a lot. Not just for uh, for David Finch, but fi- sorry, Fincher, but Brian Singer as well. Like we mentioned, he yeah. did a lot of good movies. So this is another one. Um, good directors. Good directors. Good actors. Mm. You know, good cast all around. Um, good stories. Mm. Uh, very much worth the watch. Both of these. You should. You should. Mm. You should watch these movies. Watch them. Brian, did, have you seen anything recently that you want to talk about? I started this anime called Bungo. Bungo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but uh, Bungo Stray Dogs. You're asking me about pronunciation? Oh, no, I'm not asking. I'm just saying. I don't know oh, if okay. I am. Just, uh, but I'm trying asking. my best. <laughs> Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, pretty straightforward. Just an orphan who you know, meets this one guy and turns out they're part of this cool agency that goes around looking for people and solving crimes and they're kind of like a detective agency private nice. Nice. Uh, they all have these powers and you know there's a, a story about, about history with them with each character has their own depth and it's it's told well it's not cringe like a lot of animes it's mm. you know I don't mean to offend the anime fans but a lot of a lot of shit y'all recommend is cringe triggered yeah and slow a lot of it is slow it's, it's none of that it's very well paced a good storytelling mm. um, without the yelling from the you know protagonists and without a lot of dramatics it's just pretty straightforward nice depth to the characters and an interesting story mm. good, good good antagonist too very they're building a nice little group of, of, of bad guys yeah very important specifically for anime so so far, and oh, and oh, I forgot to mention uh, an important aspect. The animation is really good. It's 2016, so it's newish uh, nice. looking animation. Very good. Cool. I would recommend it. I'm already on the second season. Where are you watching it? Crunchyroll. Nice. So I'm uh, I'm just a, a fan member, the lowest tier. I can't I can't pay more than just eight bucks or seven bucks that they charge. But which a broke ass. It's worth it. It's worth <laughs> it. Uh, I actually saw a little bit of uh, a tidbit on the small screen. I saw the Gray Man on Netflix. Okay. With Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling yeah. and Chris Evans and Anna and Anna Darmus was it? Anna oh, is... We gotta watch that, Skippy. Billy Bob Thornton's on there, actually. Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah. No, Pretty older. I'm not gonna watch it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just... Okay. I gotta say, it is, uh, it's entertaining, I guess. Story-wise, it's nothing to bring home to, you know? You're not gonna marry the story, but, uh, it does its job. It's, it's a good one-nighter? It's a good one-nighter. Is it good enough for a rebound? No. Not even for a rebound? It, it's good enough to have your way untrimmed, you know. Oh. Congratulations. Hey, that was great. Oh, no. But uh, your Uber's outside, you know, so. Uber? Nah, you got to go with Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Lyft. 
it, it is what it is. It, it's entertaining. It's a, it's an action movie. Um, it was nice to see Ryan Gosling, like, in this type of role. I think he didn't do that bad of a job. I think it was pretty convincing. Chris Evans it was was pretty good in his role, too. Anna, Anna Darmus, you know, she's, she's a baddie. She does whatever she wants to do. It's, it's okay. She's Anna. Yeah. We'll be talking about Anna in a little bit as well. Ooh, damn. Okay. So, um, uh, I... I I, I think it's a it's an entertaining movie. If you want to have something in the background, that's okay. You know, I think it does a pretty good job at, you know, having you invest into the story. So it's not strong, but definitely entertaining. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. I give it maybe like a six, seven. Pretty subpar. Par. Well, we'll see if I'm ever bored enough to watch. <laughs> yeah. Brian, next week. Next week. So as you said, we may bring up Robert Downey Jr. Up, and as I just said a few minutes, a few seconds ago, mm. we're talking about Anna Darmus as well. Why? Robert Downey Jr. plays the very famous Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Anna Darmus plays in a movie called Knives Out. Nice. And next week, we're thinking of doing a detective-y, investigative, whodunit nice. type style. Because there's a lot of good movies. Yeah. From action to suspense to comedy mm. that encompass this type of film. Nice. Not really a genre. But it, it involves a lot of different genres. And that's what I appreciate about this type of film. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be including, I guess, our favorite detectives or our favorite movies in general that involve like detective work, investigation, uh, nice. a lot of mystery. But not f- the focus on the mystery, but a focus on, like, I guess, the suspense, the investigative aspect of these films. Is that? I don't know if I'm describing it correctly. The unraveling the of unraveling. said mysteries. Correct. Right. Yeah. Oh, sounds, sounds badass. I'm excited. Cool yeah, definitely. I think it could be a fun episode. Mm. A lot of good movies that we can watch and cool characters. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, guys, that's, stay tuned. That's going to do it, though. Uh, we really appreciate the support and all the feedback. If you like today's episode or have ideas for future episodes, you should definitely get in contact with us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Our username would be Film Purgatory or Film underscore Purgatory. Remember to turn on all your notifications on your streaming services so you know as soon as we drop the latest episode. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next week.